Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Finally, I found out where Buller Cream comes from. I buy this stuff all the time at home. And then I've just seen today it comes from Colac. I just discovered that this week. It's beautiful cream, isn't it? I'm not sure how it's going to go between now and when I get home tonight, whether it'll be any good. It might be churned into butter or something through the plane ride. So I head back to uh, Perth this evening. But thank you for that. I I may give that away to the most attentive person this morning. And use that as a bit of a bribe. I'll put it there. That, that is cool. I buy this cream all the time, except when we had a kind of supply issue a couple of months ago because of floods um, South Australia. But um, it is very nice cream. Thank you. <laughs> Keep it coming. No, I, I, I don't. I have. I've been recommended the Bullock Classic ice cream, the real expensive, really rich, nice stuff. I've been recommended that, but um, I'll have to get into that. We do have beautiful ice cream in in. Perth Peter's ice cream is astonishing. If you ever get to Perth, try that out. But you probably have signed a covenant to never touch another ice cream, have you? <laughs> Cannot touch another. I was um, I was uh, Rob and uh, is it Jenny? Yep, Rob and Jenny in the car the other day, and I, I I completely said a completely wrong thing. I started to talk about how good is New Zealand cream and ice cream. <laughs> Rob almost stopped the car and said, "Out." <laughs> Can't say those things around here, but uh, it's a beautiful part of the world. And uh, as Andrew mentioned, we went for a drive yesterday down the Great Ocean Road. My goodness, it's just gorgeous, those rocks and ocean. I love the ocean. We live near the beach in Perth and uh, just love the ocean, but just some of those cliffs and and everything. And driving back through from Apollo Bay through, I was saying, why aren't there guardrails on this road? That's a... So steep those hills. We don't we don't have many hills in Perth. It's very flat, and uh, it's a beautiful part of the world here. And uh, it's just been great to be with you all all the week through the conference. And I, I do have to say, I just thank the Lord for Andrew and Rochelle and uh, pastors through this last couple of years. That um, all pastors and everyone on the planet really has been through just a crazy season. And um, pastors have uh, had to learn how to look at a camera. Where's the camera here for the online? Where is it? Up the... Hi, everyone online. Great to have you here. Uh, But pastors have had to do all sorts of unusual things the last couple of years to keep their churches going, do pastor you through a pandemic and lockdowns. And I do, I just admire pastors and uh, Andrew and Rochelle, well done for continuing to lead your church through the last uh, two years, continue to stay faithful to Jesus, continue to walk with the Lord and continue to raise your family, but also look after the family of God. And I want to salute you this morning and thank you that you've stayed faithful to the call. Yeah, yeah. give a bit of sugar for your pastors this morning. Now, a little, little bit more sugar. Come on, a little bit more. <laughs> oh, I love that. Another whistle. Give me another whistle. I love that whistle. Oh, I love let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Whistles have great breath. I love whistles in the house of God. That is awesome. Yeah, pray for your pastors. Love them. Bless them. Encourage them. When you get ticked off with your pastor, which you do, you know. You, um, I've been in our church nearly 50 years, and you do. I've, I've 
been there when I wasn't the pastor, and I'm not the pastor these days, handed that church over 10 years ago, and you do, you get ticked off with your pastor, because your pastor doesn't do everything you want them to do, and if, if you, uh, <laughs> pastor knows this, <laughs> if you're going, oh no, it never happens to me, he knows, uh, when you get ticked off with your pastor, ask the Holy Spirit, who has a wonderful tick removal ministry, <laughs> he can just kind of help you smooth that out, kind of sort you out, get you out the other, the other side, um, that's great. Well done. Well done, church. Well done for coming back to church. Well done, members of the church. Well done to kind of turn it up, coming back. And, you know, people are gradually wending their way across the world back to being in live services. And it's different, isn't it? It was so good this week to be in a conference after over two years of having been in a conference. I've, I'm going home feeling... Someone asked me today, are you, are you tired, exhausted? I said, no, I feel great, actually. I've been in conference all week. Had to, had to do a bit of work and speaking, but it's just refreshing. Isn't it good to be back together? And I know uh, some not well and COVID isolation, so on, still wending your way back. That's fine. Totally fine. But wend your way back into church. Wend your way back into a group. Uh, get involved in serving and loving and blessing the church. Nothing like the church. Amen. That's not my sermon. That was just my hello. Um, Going to jump into the Bible. I love the Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible, it's okay. I brought mine. I'm going to go jump into the Gospel of Mark, chapter 46. Chapter 46. <laughs> Maybe I'm tired than I realize. Uh, Mark does not have 46 chapters, just if you're not quite sure. It's a bit like, it's a bit like Andrew asked me, asked me today. He said, how old are you? been in ministry 40 years. And I said, 48. You started when you were eight, and actually, no, I'm, I am older than that. Uh, maybe my brain is tired, and I realize. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. We'll get it right now. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Here Mark references um, what you can really follow actually really closely in the Gospel of Luke from Luke 9 to 19. It's the last journey of Jesus. It's the journey to Jerusalem and Jesus is wending his way towards the cross. In fact, uh, a couple of stories previous where I've just read, Jesus predicts his death and resurrection for the third time to his disciples. And he's on this journey, he's going from Jericho, which is actually the lowest city on the planet. It's 258 meters below sea level. That's crazy, eh? He's going to Jerusalem, which is 757 meters above sea level in 25 kilometers. So you're going up a thousand meters in 25 clicks. So really steep. Those Psalms that talk about going up to Zion, they're literal, physical, going up to Zion. The Psalms of Ascent you can read about of uh, on the feast that, that Israelis would sing on the way up to Jerusalem. And Jesus is on this journey. And the people are traveling with him. That they're expectant of Christ the King coming in to establish the kingdom in Israel physically at that time. The expectation, uh, as you can read through the Gospels, is that Jesus would boot the Romans out and he would be crowned king. And in fact, the story before, James and John said, Lord, when you come into your glory, can we sit on your left hand and on your right hand? That's what we really like. We're very humble. <laughs> Not. <laughs> we want to rule. We want to have authority. Jesus said, well, we'll just see how that pans out, guys. 
And there is this expectation, and it says there that there was a, a large crowd. And this crowd is alive, it's buzzing, it's got that sense of anticipation. I love going to the football in Perth. We have a brand new stadium. If you've been to Perth, come to the stadium. I follow the Dockers. I'm having a brilliant year this year. I'm feeling fabulous this year. Apologies if you're barrack for Geelong. That apology is completely insincere. <laughs> and I love going to the footy and, and you, you go to the footy and there's thousands of people there and you've got that nervous excitement. You know, everyone's a bit kind of like, oh, I hope we do well. If we're playing North Melbourne, we know we're going to be okay. But they're kind of like playing a team that you're not sure about, is nervous. Then when you win the game, the crowd is buzzing. You're kind of out to the trains and, and um, just fabulous feeling. And it's kind of just a, just a very small reflection of what the crowd would have been feeling. The hope of Israel is here, the Messiah, the Christ, the King is coming. The Son of David is here and there's a a buzz in the crowd, this, this expectation. And as they're leaving Jericho, there's a blind man, Bartimaeus, sitting by the roadside begging. I, I would like sometimes the Bible to have more detail. Anyone get a little bit frustrated with the Bible occasionally? Like, how did he get blind? Was he born blind? Was it an accident, a farming accident? Was he, was he a mercenary in one of the Roman wars? Did he kind of get struck in a battle and is he blind? Did he, did he have a fight as a child? Did he I'd trip over and ran into something and blindness struck him? Was it a disease that came gradually? We don't know. But he's blind. And we, we know that blind people, we can tell immediately that this guy is not wealthy. He's not well-to-do. He's socially insignificant. Some people would see he's blind as a curse, as even a curse from God for some sin in his life or his parents' life. He's sitting by the roadside begging. There's, there's no national disability scheme back in the first century. There's no Centrelink. There's no welfare. What an amazing country we live in. Do you ever stop every now and again and go, my goodness, how do we win the lottery of life to be born in Australia, to live in Australia? Phenomenal country to live in. But not back in the first century. He's begging. He's way down in status in the, in the social order of Israel. And he, and he hears a crowd. He hears the buzz of the crowd. He's outside the city where he, I guess he put himself every day. Or maybe someone took him out there. And he's got his cloak laid out. And he's probably got a little tin. And he's rattling the tin. Just making a bit of noise. Whenever someone wanders by, he's looking for someone to drop some food into his cloak. Or a few coins just to get him through the day. He just needs sustenance for the day. So I'm not worried about tomorrow. I just want to get through today. And here's a crowd and the bars and people are excited and they're chatting. He's thinking, oh, good day for business. I'm going to bang a bit louder on the tin because I, I can hear a crowd going by and they sound like they're in party mode and their pockets are probably loosened up a bit when they're in party mode. This could be a good day. And he, and he asked someone, uh, what's going on? What's happening? Who's going by? What's all the crowd about? Why are you heading to Jerusalem? And someone tells him it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. It's interesting what he does next. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, I'm so glad that it's not Jesus of Rome. It's not Jesus of Jerusalem. It's not Jesus of the, the center of military and economic might. It's not Jesus of the religious power of the day of Jerusalem. It's Jesus of some joint 
everybody thinks is completely insignificant. It's Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of that joint? Really, Nazareth. Ha, it's a byword for nobodies and nothings and insignificance. I'm so glad Andrew and I were driving yesterday. We were talking about our experience of coming to Christ. And you kind of realize that I'm so glad Jesus didn't come for celebrities. He did, but he didn't just come for them. He just didn't come for the powerful people. He just didn't come for the rich people. He just didn't come for the people who are healthy and well and doing okay in life. He came for people like you and me who are busted up and broken up. And at the end of the rope, I was 19 when I came to Christ, literally at the end of the rope. I said to Andrew yesterday, and told many people this, that if I hadn't come to Jesus at 19, I would not be alive today. I would have taken my own life. I'd been dead. I was at the end of the rope. Jesus of Nazareth has come for the broken. Sick don't, healthy rather, don't need a doctor. That's broken and sick. Jesus has come. Not for those who are high and mighty and in power. It's come for those who are low, those who are poor, those who feel like that. Maybe you feel like that this morning. feel like it's last two years just too much. It's overwhelming what we've been through. Jesus of Nazareth has come for all of us. He's so good, isn't he? He's so worthy of our love and our worship. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. I don't know if he was an introvert or extrovert, but he thought something's going on here. And I wonder if, if Bartimaeus, I kind of think that he'd heard Jesus somewhere else. Maybe when he was in Jericho and doing some teaching, he might have stumbled across a bit of a meeting and heard. Maybe he heard about a miracle that Jesus had done. Maybe he'd heard about a little girl who got raised from the dead. Maybe about the lepers that got cleansed. Maybe about people who had, who had had their lives transformed and demons cut out, cast out and well, diseases healed because Jesus of Nazareth turned up. And he begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Sometimes some things don't shift unless you shout. And I call this, and, and you can see as the story goes on, this is a shout of faith. He lifts his voice with a shout of faith. Jesus! There's a crowd and there's bustling and he wants to get heard. And I love what he calls him, son of David. Very few people in the New Testament call Jesus son of David. Very few. But he knows there's something about Jesus of Nazareth that he's a king, that he has authority, that he rules. Have mercy on me. You know, a shout of faith is something that moves the hand of God. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet. He shouted all the more. Him, Shut up, Bartimaeus. It's embarrassing. We're going to Jerusalem, counting king. You don't matter. You're a blind beggar. Shut up. And when they said shut up, he shouted all the more. Son of David! Have mercy on me. I love this. Jesus stopped. A shout of faith can stop Jesus. And a shout of faith is literally sometimes for you and me is a shout of faith. I mean, the, the most well-known song to come out of the Australian church in the last 30, 40 years is what? Shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. How long since you went out in the paddock and shouted? I mean, you've got heaps of countryside here to do this. It's a bit hard for me. I live in a city. 
you know, and I, I can go down, we're living at the beach, I can go down to the beach. Got to, got to be careful down at the beach. People are out for walks and jogging and cycling and doing their exercise. I can't go out there and say, hey, Lord, help me. People will be calling the cops right now. You're going to the crazy guy down at the beach, you know, but I've got to find place. But you know what is good really every now and again is to get out somewhere and shout to the world. If you ever going, I'm not sure where this guy is coming from and I think you should be more nervous, Pastor Andrew. Is, uh... <laughs> Bible talks about a shout of faith. Sometimes in your life, when you feel like it's stuck, it won't move, things won't shift, things won't change. Sometimes a, a shout of faith is literally a physical, literal shout of faith where you, and you can get go for a drive, get out in the country road, and even while you're driving, best way to do it in the city actually is in the car because people just think you're singing along to the radio or something like that or, or yelling at someone on the phone or doing something. But you can, you can drive along and you can shout to the Lord. Because some things will not break without a shout of faith. Some things will not move without a shout of faith. Some things will not change. Things that are stuck in your world, whether it's a relational stuck, a job stuck, a business that's stuck, a finances that are stuck, a serving in Jesus that's stuck. Some things need a shout of faith that's literal. Other times, a shout of faith doesn't necessarily need to be something vocal. Three years ago, I looked at a number of things in my world with our, our ministry uh, and a couple of personal things, a few personal things for Diane and I in, in our family life and just our world. And then my, my best friend got cancer. Uh, I, I kind of worked all this out with the Lord. I, I sat down and I actually, I've got a piece of paper, still got it at home today. It's by my, by my prayer chair in my study. And I wrote five things on it. I said, Lord, I'm going to do something that I am not going to enjoy. I'm going to do a fa 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 fa. I'm going to do a fa 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 a fast. <laughs> I commit to do a fa 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 fa. I really like food. <laughs> My wife makes the best scones, jam and bullet cream. Oh. I said, Lord, I prefer fast with the word E put in it. Mm. It's way better. Feast. Some of you are going, what the? Fasty? Fasty? What? E fast. That's an electronic fast. You're going <laughs> to feast. I like feasting. So I said, Lord, I'm going to do a five-day f- 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 five f- f- fast. I don't like fasting. Does it? Anyone, no, you, I'm not even going to ask because some of you go, yeah, I like fasting. I know you're lying. You know, you don't like fasting. It's the thing we do to sacrifice the Lord. I said, I'm going to do a five-day fast. I wrote the five things down. Lord, and I'm holding these before you. This is, that's a shout of faith. And you know, this is crazy. This, this does not happen often, <laughs> hardly ever. The fast went so well, I kept going. You know you got the grace of God on you. When five-day fast, you go, gee, I'm feeling good. I went six days, seven, eight, nine, ten days. I just had a touch of God on me. I did a ten-day fast, and I've still got a bit of paper, and regularly I bring it out before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm shouting at you. I'm not yelling with my voice. I'm shouting with that ten-day fast. I want you to remember, do a Nehemiah, remember me, God. Remember, 
and I've seen those things, not all of them, not all five are done yet. My mate's still battling cancer. All of them are done, but a couple of them have moved dramatically. Two others are still in process, and one, ain't, it ain't working at the moment with my friend. Sometimes to work something, to change something, you need to do something radical. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And it may be for you, you might need to get out in a paddock somewhere and, and do a good shout and worship. We did the other night, Wednesday. If you were here Wednesday night, my goodness, that was an awesome worship time, wasn't it? At the end, just oh, talk about blow the gaskets out. Just get the cobwebs out. Just worship. You, you might need to go and do a drive and do a shout with the Lord. You might need to do a fast. For some of you, it may be, um, some people, I think a shout of faith is an area of integrity in the workplace where a boss comes along to you and says, you know, I want you to cut a shady deal here. I want you to lie. And, and your shout of faith is not a fast. It's not a verbal thing. It's, it's just, you know what? I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a person of integrity. And e even whatever you do, boss, I am not going to break my integrity. To me, that's a shout of faith. It says, Jesus, I'm going to trust you and lean on you in this scenario. And when people have come to me as I've passed and said, oh, my boss wants me to lie. I say, just tell him this. Okay, boss, I'm happy to lie as long as you let me lie to you. Because how will you know? If you train me to lie, I'll become a very good liar. You won't know whether I'm ever telling you the truth or not. Would you like me to tell lies now? You find most bosses collapse under that thought, the fact that you're going to lie to them. And Sometimes just to draw a line in the sand of integrity where people are pushing you to compromise, people are pushing you to do things that you know are not healthy for your soul. And you just have to make a stance. You have to make a stance like Bartimaeus says, no, nope. there's a bit of opposition against this uh, shout of faith. People are pushing back on it. So you, sh you should not do that. You shouldn't go that way. But no, 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 no. I am fixated on the shout of faith. You know, I think a bundle of you have done a shout of faith in the last two years. Your pastors have done a shout of faith in the last two years. Church members who have come back and served and kept giving over the last two years. To me, you know, you know what you've done? You've done a shout of faith. You have just endured through something that we haven't seen in our generation and we all hope to never see ever again in our generation. And just every, everyone, I tell you, every pastor, every church leader, every member who's turning back up in church, I salute you all. I'm thrilled that you're back saying, you know what? It's been tough. It's been horrible. I have not enjoyed this season, but I am here, Lord. Just the fact that you're here this morning, the fact that you're watching online, to me is a shout of faith. Saying, Lord, I'm here. I think I'm good to go. I'm not quite sure. I might be sputtering on a couple of pistons instead of eight cylinders, but I'm here. What's your shout of faith at the moment? What's the thing that you've got before God at the moment? Because I, I think one of, the, one of the things that will happen through this year is the Holy Spirit and His grace and His kindness will cause all of us to go, you know what? Pandemic's behind us. What do I need to step into? Where's that faith lever? And you'll know the right time for you. And for some of you this morning, some of you are ready to go, Lord, I'm ready to believe you 
for something significant, something big, something even slightly crazy. I'm ready to step into what you've got for me. What's your shout of faith? What is it? What does it look like? How will you move into it? I love the fact Jesus stopped and called him. They called to the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. These are the people who told him to shut up one minute. <laughs> the crowd's very fickle. Throwing his cloak aside and, and I kind of see coins and tin and a bit of scraps of food going all over the place. He's just, this guy is going in 110%. This is not a guy who's kind of gradually going to get to Jesus. He's just throwing his cloak aside, jump to his feet, <laughs> just bang. I find that harder to do as I get older. Harder to do. If there's something that needs to happen on the floor at home, I look around to see if there's two or three things I can do while I'm down there. Because <laughs> it's just, you know, getting older sucks in that sort of arena. You drop one thing, you think, I might as well drop another while I'm down there. I can pick both up and maximize it. He jumped to his feet. There, there's there's a, a leaning into this connection with Jesus. And he came to Jesus and Jesus does a weird thing. What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> that guy's blind, Lord. Have a look, you know. Maybe uh, you could work this out yourself. Um, but Jesus actually asked the same question the story before when, when, when uh, the sons of Zebedee, the, the brothers of thunder, came and said, Lord, we want, we, we want to ask you something and we want you to do what we ask you. And Jesus, pretty smart, said, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? I love this, that Jesus actually gets us to clarify our shout of faith. Because it, it can't be fuzzy. If it's fuzzy, it's confusing, it won't go anywhere. God likes us to be specific when we're moving in faith. What do you want me to do for you? And I love Bartimaeus. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want you to bless my business and tell everyone in the crowd to give me a huge offering. No, it doesn't say that, does it? He could have said that. He could have looked at the crowd and thought, ooh, bless my begging business, Lord. This could be a big day. I might need not to come out on the street for two months. Lord, if you tell them they need to give double to the blind guy, help the blind guy out, he could have gone for something down there. I love the fact he goes for something up there. He says, Rabbi, I want to see. You know, in the Old Testament, not one person got healed of blindness. There are amazing miracles in the Old Testament. Parting the Red Sea, Jordan River, sun standing still. Incredible, phenomenal miracles. People getting raised. Sickness, illness, and all sorts of things. But not one blind person in the Old Testament. The healing of the blind was reserved for the Messiah. It was a miracle exclusively kept back that Jesus would bring. You see, this guy... Even though he's blind, he knows Jesus is the son of David. Very rare for someone to say that in the New Testament. He knows there's a kingship about Jesus. And when he says, I want to see, he's actually saying, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one who can do this. Come on, I know who you are. Shout of faith comes from people who say, I know you, Lord. You've been faithful over these years. You've stood with me again and again through many battles. You know, one of the 
I know it's tough getting older physically and trying to pick things up off the floor, but you know what I love about getting older? I have got decades of seeing Jesus work. I could look at, I could, I could, I won't do this. I could keep you all day because my flight's not till tonight. We could go through till seven o'clock. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. I don't want to do that either. But I could tell you so many stories. This is the great thing. You know, can I encourage younger generations? Look around at the people who have the platinum experience on their head. This is not grey. This is platinum level. It's a high level of club. Because you look around, you see platinum up here. They have stories of faith being fulfilled. That's why it's so good to look across the church like this. There's kids running around. There's kids yelling and screaming and creating chaos. I love that in church. It's so, so good. It's awesome. It's annoying, but it's good. It's good. It's good to get annoyed. Because then you've got to control that annoyance. And you're more godly and more Christian-like. I love seeing like little bubs over there. And there's young people here. There's kind of my generation here. And I think there's probably even someone older than me, which is always encouraging. You come together and... You can share those stories of faith. You can look around and go, man, I'm going to be good over the decades. And Jesus said, go, your faith, your faith, your shout of faith has healed you. Jesus is saying, you recognize who I, you know who I am. And immediately <laughs> he received his sight. Immediately we know Jesus is the Christ. Everyone in the crowd goes, oh, hello, the Messiah is going to open the eyes of the blind. Do you reckon the crowd went nuts or not? These Jewish people, they knew the Messiah would open the eyes of the blind. They knew it hadn't happened in the old covenant, but the Messiah would open the eyes of the blind. Bartimaeus' eyes go open. Do you reckon it went nuts? <laughs> just like a hundred grand final wins all wrapped up together. People just go, whoa, this is the king. This is the Christ. Bartimaeus received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. See you, Jericho. I'm going to Jerusalem. I wonder where Bartimaeus was during the final days of Jesus. I wonder where Bartimaeus was when Christ was crucified. I wonder if Bartimaeus was there on the day of Pentecost. I wonder if he was one of the thousands on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and preached that 3,000 came to Christ and got baptized. I wonder if Bartimaeus was one of the those baptized we'll find out in heaven I just wonder because this is a guy who doesn't go gee thanks Lord I'm back home now uh uh that was yesterday I've shouted faith has moved me to a new place and I'm following you don't you close your eyes where you're sitting I want you to think about what you want to move in your life at the moment is there something relationally you want to move? Is there something in your business that you want to see shift? Is there something in family life? Maybe it's a grandchild who isn't doing, going the way that you know they should. Maybe it's a housing scenario. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your marriage is under pressure. What do you want to see move? If you're like me, you've got a friend who's struggling with a severe illness. Maybe it's someone in, in your small group that you're leading, that you just want to see that person come to a better place in their walk with Jesus. What is it? What is it? 
could be two things. I want you to determine, Lord, this is what I want to see move. And I want you to make a decision right where you're sitting. I want you to make a brilliant decision that you're going to move into a place of faith around that thing. And sometimes we, um, I do this well, it's a very human, it's very normative. Sometimes we just get very passive about our challenges and we just let them roll on. And then we go, why am I living like this is okay? Why am I putting up with this? And that's when we grab the lever of faith and pull that lever. And God, I'm believing. I am moving myself into a shout of faith around this. I might need to even do a fast, Lord. Lord, I might need to go for a drive and have a really good praise time. Turn up that worship song and have a real good shout, literal shout. Lord, I, I might need to make a stance around that thing. I might even need to shift a habit around that thing. Lord, because I believe you want me to move into a better place over that thing. And I am deciding today. No more. I'm drawing a line under that. Finished. I'm moving into a place of faith. Make that decision where you sit today. Just sort it in your heart. Settle it in your heart. Jesus, I'm praying now for everyone who's making just a great decision. Lord, I, I renew my shout of faith from three years ago, especially for my friend. Lord, I renew my commitment to believing. Those other two things that haven't quite moved where I need them to move, Lord, thank you for the things that have moved, but I recommit myself to believing you to come through. And Lord, I'm praying now for grace, courage, and strength for every soul here. That as they make a great decision today, they're going to be like Bartimaeus. They're going to shout and they're going to see you move. Give them the grace to follow through on this brilliant decision. In Jesus' name, amen.